you are listening to Herbs' Video Vault on Anchor.fm. Hello one and all and welcome back to the Video Vault. I trust everybody is doing well. On this edition we are taking a look at Steven Spielberg's 1975 masterpiece that is Jaws and I have been waiting to uh, sink my teeth into um, this one no puns intended Uh, originally based off of Peter Benchley's novel of the same name Jaws is about a small community under attack from a gigantic great white shark and it is up to Quint, Brody and Hooper to come along and save the day. Now this film is an absolute masterpiece. What more can I say? That is just, it's an absolute masterpiece. It's just one of those movies that you can easily watch over and over again. The sequels, unfortunately, they go downhill, (laughs) but we will get to those. So grab your popcorn, grab uh, your soda, sit back, relax in the vault as we go with yours. So yes, anyway, Jaws came out in 1975, directed by Steven Spielberg, and pretty much coined what would become the summer blockbuster. Now, what can I say about this classic movie that hasn't really already um, been said? You know, there's so many um, thoughts and opinions on Jaws from throughout the years that, um, yeah, what can I say that, you know, no one's uh, already, you know, already said. Not a whole lot because this is, without doubt, one of the greatest movies that was ever made. Uh, it is so good. It is definitely, it's one of the all-time classics. Um, I strongly suggest that you know you go ahead and check it out because it's definitely one of those movies that you can just get uh, lost in. It's got a great story, great characters, great action sequences, beautifully shot, wonderful you know use of effects when other effects didn't work, which will get in it too but anyway yes Jaws 1975 is based off of the Peter Benchley novel called Jaws and that is actually sort of loosely is I shouldn't say loosely based it was inspired by um, you know the Jersey Shore shark attacks I think it was like 1916 where five you know people were chewed up in the surf in the space for a week. This is something that actually happened. And eventually got the idea of like, you know, what, what if, you know, one of these sort of things came across this small um, island and didn't go away. It just stayed and pretty much made the uh, the island its own personal buffet. 
So, we open up, we get the, this is what started all the, the P, underwater POV shark shot, which then got brutal, utilised too much in every other uh, Jaws movie that came after it, and even every other sort of like, anything to do with a creature feature sort of came after it as well, did the exact same thing, so it got utilised way too much. And this is the only time it does this in the whole movie, we get the shark POV. We hear that beautiful, that ominous boredom, boredom. Um, score by John Williams, which the first time Steven Spielberg heard it, he thought it was fun, you know, so it was a joke because it was just two notes, dude, dude. Dun, dun. But it's amazing how something so simple, only containing two notes, can be some something can be there. Ah, this is where my tongue stopped working. It can become something that's just so totally rememberable and iconic. And you know that as soon as you hear the, boom, 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 you know that you know things are going to go down. So our opening scene, we have you know this this is you know typical. Everything is typical seventies. Um, we got, you know, the beach party, people smoking, drinking, you know, one guy playing guitar around a bonfire. It is, it's, it's obviously the pre-dawn. Um, this dude's making eye contact with this girl named Chrissy. He's like, he's a little bit interested. He's like, oh yeah, you know, there could be something happening here. He's like sort of, um, enthralled with this girl and... They go off. She wants to go swimming. She's like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll go for a swim. Sounds like fun. Yeah, innocent. Nothing too, nothing too major. They, you know, she goes into the water. He unfortunately passes out on the beach while he's, you know, trying to get ready to go swimming. Probably the one thing that uh, was good for him, actually, because, um, this is the most captivating and brutal opening of any movie. We just get underwater view. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. I retract my original, you know, we don't get, this is probably the only time we get the shark here. We do get it a little bit, but it's used very, very sparingly. Um, we get this absolutely brutal shark attack sequence where uh, Chrissy's just dragged under the water, dragged around. You don't see the shark at all, but you don't need to see it. You know it's there because, like, something of that ferocity and aggression is like it's only one thing. It's like, holy crap! You know she's been she's being attacked by a shark. It's like that's the only thing, and. You know, we just get this really, you know, desperate cries for help at the very end where she just screams, God, please help, and then pulled under. And that's it as far as uh, Chrissy goes, although she does come back probably a little bit, not, you know, on screen anyway, 10, 15, well, a part of her anyway, just her arm. As we have, we um, we meet Martin, the chief of Amity Island, Martin Brody, who's you know come there from New York, and 
everything's been pretty crazy until now. We start off with, you know, it's like, oh, we've got a, we've got a missing, missing swimmer. It's like, okay. I'm sure there's probably nothing. You know, she probably just ran out on this dude after he passed out, and that's it. But unfortunately, you know, her remains are found on the beach, and it's like instantly. Uh, Martin just looks out over the ocean like because he's just already got this thing in his gut saying Yeah, we get a shark out here. It's the only thing that can sort of do that And so we're writing up the medical reports like yeah, no cause of death. Yeah, it's a shark attack He's like, okay, do we have any beach clothes stuff? No, right. I'm gonna go and make some and this is sort of this is where the greed and politics sort of comes into play a bit. Um, we have the mayor uh, Larry Vaughan played very well by Murray Allen. He's uh, very ignorant, has a lot of power, and just goes by you know what he is thinking is in the town's best interest because like you know Amity is a is a tourist town. Like the main time that they get any sort of income for a lot of the businesses is through those tourism periods. So, you know, like the 4th of July weekend and all the summer holidays and everything like that. And so I can sort of see, in a sense, where he's coming from a little bit, but it's just, it's like, no, it's not, it's not. He's, he's very blind to it, even persuading the medical examiner to say no it's not this it's that and it's like no it's not a shark it's a, it's a boat propeller and it's like oh hang on no it can't be a boat propeller because like here's the list of reasons one it's like no it's this and one one of the saying goes and okay fine so this is where you know money you know sort of overpowers everything else and Brody's still 100% convinced that it's a shark. Um, we go forward, we get this, then we get the one of the infamous beach attack scene where, um, you know, everyone's at the beach, they're all swimming and having fun. You know, we get a lot of underwater shots as well. The, one of the beautiful things about this movie, actually, and Steven Spielberg has actually said it in um, one of the making of documentaries, which is actually, you know, if you've got the Blu-ray, it's actually on this disc or even like the, um, I think it's the 20th anniversary edition VHS. It's on that as well. Like there's this you know, little documentary and it just, says about how um, a lot of the shots throughout this movie were done completely, were done, were handheld. Like they put a handheld camera onto like a little raft or whatever and put a protective box around it so the water wouldn't get in and that's where you get a lot of the uh, sea level shots from which is really really cool because all this movie, well, the bulk of this movie was shot on location in uh, the small island community of Martha's Vineyard, which portrayed, you know, Amity. And, um, great location. It's like, it is the ideal spot, like, you know, this remote island community that's, you know, 
away from the mainland is like, you know, they're kind of isolated. There's no sort of outside help. They're pretty much left to their own devices. And, um, I'm saying and um, <laughs> and um a lot. I gotta stop doing that. I mean, maybe I should put an and um counter. No, I'm not sending this in. And it's just like, this is another one. That's, this is like one of the first surprise attacks because normally, as soon as you hear the bum 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 bum, bum you know, you know, stuff's going down, and you kind of don't really get that with this one. Like you don't get the initial bum 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 bum. It's just already escalated. Uh, with the little, with little Alex Kittner who's, you know, swimming on his raft and all of a sudden you see it's like, oh, yeah. Well, it's not really a surprise attack, is it? A surprise comes out of nowhere. Which is way up. <laughs> but, um, there's this chaos and panic on the beach, like, hang on, you know, this kid's gone missing, there's blood all, all through the ocean, like, there's only one thing that can do that. And the mayor's just, no, it's not. It's, it's not this, it's something else. I'm like, oh, dude, how can you be so blind that nobody just mysteriously drowns in a pool of blood, like, for no reason. Like, there's a shark or something out there. It's like, the mother sees it, knows, knows it. Everyone's still, you know, concerned about themselves concerned about the greed and he's like you know oh i hope they don't close the beaches and oh i don't want this because it'll affect my business and like hey if word gets out you know you've got a shark problem yeah you've you've all your businesses are kind of kind of screwed and this is where we get introduced to uh quint the salty sea dog who knows how severe like the whole situation was and those is like the shark out there is really really bad um and it's just sort of laughing like how stupid the people are being hmm. <laughs> and it's like so it's like you know i'm gonna value my neck for a lot more than three thousand bucks i'll find the shark for three but i'll kill him for ten like made it, you know, 75 is a lot of money, but it's like, well, we'll take it under advisement. They just think, yeah, whatever. We're, we're going to take it under advisement, which means we're not going to do a damn thing. So, it had been advertised the $3,000 bounty for the shark, and it brings in, you know, fishermen and other hunters from. A lot of bit of a lot of different places, and this also brings in Matt Hooper, very well portrayed by Richard Dreyfuss from the as you know the guy that they've requested from the Oceanographic Institute, and he's like, oh, excuse me, officer, like you know, it's like he's trying, he's talking to Chief Brady, but doesn't realise it's Chief Brady, he just thinks it's another officer. So it's a little bit of comedic sort of stuff in there. It's like. Uh, you know, one of the funny, one of the force, force, I was like, uh, you know, is there a good restaurant or hotel? Oh yeah, you walk straight ahead. It's like, 
He just turns around and goes, <laughs> they're all going to die. I wonder how he knew that. And it's like a little bit of foreshadowing, like just like the carelessness and whatever. Just, eh, you're clueless. You're, you're gone. You're toast, basically. So he ends up realizing, finding Martin, they have this exchange. They go see the remains of the girl on the beach, Chrissy Watkins, the first victim from the opening scene. And Hoover just sort of says, yeah, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you notify the Coast Guard? Why didn't you do this? This is, you know, you've said it's a boating accident. You're, you're wrong. This is purely and simply a shark attack. And we have, like, what I call the false celebration, like that's got this target, this shark, it's like this fantasy tiger shark. Everyone's thinking like, yes, you know, we've we've got it, we've got the shark, everything can go back to normal. Um, all except for Quint, where he's going, come, just sailing along in the orca, he's going past, he's going past everything. I think he knows that. It's a great white. He knows what sort of shark it is. And he's just seen them string up this tiger shark and he's just goes, <laughs> just gives a little chuckle like, no, you're, you're completely wrong. You've got the wrong. It's not the right shark. So I think that's something that's uh, very, very interesting. Unless you look at it and listen very, very closely, you're not really going to pick it up. Uh, there's a bit of an argument between Hooper and some of the fishermen. It's like, well, what do you mean? What's this bite radius crab? Well, what sort of shark is this? And like, they just think, oh, it's just a shark. It, it's a man-eater. It's like, it's, it's, it's the right one. And Hooper sort of has the only way you can prove that it actually is the right shark, you know, is you cut it open. And the mayor just shuts it down completely. It's like, no, you're not doing this because, you know, I don't want to see the little, the little, little Alex Kidner spit, spill out all over the dock and shock everybody. And it's like, well, you know, that's sort of really the only way to prove it. But no, the mayor shuts it down and saying, no, this is it. Everything's back to normal. And sounds very familiar. Very familiar. Um... But anyway, we have leads into this absolutely touching scene with Martin and young Sean, where you already know the scene I'm talking about, where Sean pretty much mirrors every action that um, Roy Shadow's character Martin is um, doing, like the cupping of the face, the folding and unfolding the fingers like everything is just so beautifully done it's just an absolutely touching scene Hooper comes over they have a bit of a conversation they end up going out to where the shark is they do the dissection and shock horror it's the it's not it it's not the right shark it's just wrong place wrong time sort of thing and so they end up going out, they find the boat of Ben Gardner, who is one of the fishermen that was going out, you know, trying to catch the shark. And Hooper goes in the water, checks out the hole, and there's this massive, massive tooth 
which he pulls out and identifies the species. Pretty much turned around, like, oh, hang on, this is this is a great white. This is this is pretty bad. Uh, sees another hole in the boat, goes over. This gives it a little knock, and here comes this face in this frame, just like unexpected. The Ben Gardner, he's been his boat's been attacked and everyone's been killed. And in a minute, moment of panic, he drops a tooth. And so yeah, um, Hooper has Hooper panics, drops the tooth in his flashlight, and just goes straight back to the boat. He's like, you know, looks at Martin, says like, things are about to. Get, this is bad. This is really bad. They try to convince the mayor, but he doesn't want to borrow it. He's like, no, it's. Not, you know, our beach is going to be open for 4th of July. It's going to be one of the best summers we've ever had. And it's like, it's just, he's disregarding what they're saying. It's like, no, we've caught the shark. It's fine. It's fine. We've got it. Everything's, you know, going to be hunky-dory. And Hooper and Brody are trying to convince the mayor, like, no, it's not. You open the beaches on the 4th of July. You're basically ringing a dinner bell saying, come and get it. And he's not convinced. He, the only thing that Mayor Vaughan's concerned with is the graffiti that's been put on, that's been done to the Amity Island 50th, you know, 4th of July regatta sign. He's more concerned about that and would rather just ignore that, you know, the particular problem of a great white shark, which he doesn't believe it even exists, that would just swim up and bite him in the ass. But, Matt Hooper in the movie. Still not buying it, so 4th of July weekend comes, all these huge tourists and that are coming to the wonderful town of Amity, but no one's wanting to go into the water because they've all heard about the shark attacks that have happened. And the mayor's still passing on, it's like, Pretty much bullies a family to go into the water and go swimming. And just like, no, this like it's fine, it's it's you know, he's washing his hands, like, no, it's fine, you know, the he's still under the belief that even though they've been he's been told that you know you've got the wrong thing. So because Hooper accidentally dropped the tooth, he doesn't he doesn't believe it for one second. It's like no, it's like it's fabricated, it's made up. Um, so as soon as this family started going, like you can tell, even just look on the mother's face, like she's very concerned, she's very cautious, still thinking that like oh, something's not right. There's still a shark in there, and people end up going in. We have you know the news crew are there, including the um, the news. Reporter is actually author Peter Benchley, believe it or not. So he has a little cameo in the movie, which I think is pretty cool. We have the mayor on camera saying it's a beautiful day, you know. We've and you know we're happy to report we've caught and killed a large predator that supposedly injured some bathers, which is you know political jargon for well, we've caught an animal that we think has killed people. Uh, which turns out to be completely and utterly wrong because um, while everyone's having fun and enjoying themselves, we get another shark attack, don't we? After we have a panic.
at the beach, courtesy of a couple of kids with a cardboard fin who nearly get their heads blown off by a bunch of cops and people with boats and rifles. Um, there's just absolutely nothing. Everyone's calm, like we see this fin coming towards some swimmers. Panic ensues. And it's just a couple of kids playing a prank with a cardboard fin. And it's like, haha, this is funny, until they see, you know, a couple of rifles pointed in their faces like, he made me do it. He talked me into it. And it's like, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a couple of pranksters. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. And then we hear, shark. And it's like, oh, now what? Like, there's a lot of skepticism, especially from Brody. Like, as soon as he hears shark, he's like, oh, now what? Until he gets told, told you know, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's being spotted where your kid is, like, oh, so the tension quickly escalates, and a whole group sort of carries over, and, like, they want to see what all the commotion is, and this time it is, in fact, the real, the real deal, uh, Michael Brody, the chief's older son, is with a group of other kids, um, trying to get their boat and everything ready as a little guy in a rowboat. We actually see him in the early episode because he's the scout leader who's, you know, getting the kids to do this win. He's like trying to encourage them along and it's like, hang on, you guys are right. And then, boom, his boat gets capsized. So does, the other, so does Michael's boat. They both get capsized. He's trying to struggle to get back onto his boat and gets attacked. And that's when people sort of realize, holy crap, you know, this is, this is really bad. Like, there's this huge panic. Like, you hear people screaming, has anyone, you know, has anybody got a gun and shoot it? Uh, Martin goes and grabs, drags Michael from the water. He's in shock. I mean, who wouldn't be after seeing something as vicious as that? Which is actually sort of one of the first times that we actually see the shark. It's done very, very well in that particular scene. So we go to the hospital. Brody finally convinces Vaughn to sign the contract to, you know, pay quick what he wants. We got the oh, making in the town's best interest. Like, town's best interest. People think you're the mayor of Shark City, you want the beaches open, like ring ring, here's dinner. Um, so then we we get the scene with Quint in his, um, oh, I wouldn't even know what you call it, like his, we'll just say his base of operations, his little counteractions between him and Hooper. And we get to the final third of the movie, which is, it's just the three characters. It's just Brody, Quint, and Hooper. That's all it is, just those three. And... This is by far the best part of the movie because we get to see these characters sort of end up developing some sort of bond and uh, respect for each with each other and you know try to do whatever they can to stop this uh, horrible menacing creature that's you know been preying on the small town. And this is where the movie gets very innovative as well because. It's very, very well noted that Bruce, which is what 
the um, which is what I believe Steven Spielberg actually named the shark. Um, when they were testing it on dry land, it worked fine, but when they were trying to shoot the scenes in the water, uh, yeah, salt water and animatronics they they just don't work. They don't work. So the shark would not would hardly ever work. So this is where they so this is where they came up with the idea for the barrels and brought the attention of like even though you couldn't see the shark, you knew as soon as you saw the barrels, you knew it was there. And I thought that was an incredibly brilliant move to make. And we get the biggest reveal, like no music, no nothing. We just get a little off a cliff and bang here is like Brody's upset like Mark that uh, Hooper doesn't throw any chum out, he just drives the boat. He's arguing just says slow ahead. I can go slow ahead, why don't you come down and chump some of this bleep? And um, up comes the shark, like no music, no nothing, it's just leads to the iconic and extremely often misquoted um, line, which Roy Schreider actually completely improved on set. It's just, you're gonna need a bigger boat. It's, you're gonna need a bigger boat, not we're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah, it's, it's the, again, it's a, like, it's very similar to Star Wars where Empire Strikes Back no, I am your father. And yet everyone believes it's Luke, I am your father. No, it's not. It's no, I am your father. So <laughs> I'm probably going to get some people in the comments saying, no, you're not, you, it is Luke, I'm your father. It's like, watch the movie. Watch the movie. And you will see when he says, you're going to need a bigger boat, that you've been saying the line wrong the whole time. Um... We get this like, oh, you know, this shark's in like 20, 25 foot or something like that. They put in a couple of barrels and like, well, we'll see how long it takes for them to come up. And we have one of the most lighthearted scenes, parts of the scene anyway, where we get Hooper and Quint comparing scars. <laughs> Ice Nine Kills just popped in my head. Rock the boat. Ice Nine Kills. And the silver screen is all based on Jaws. Check it out, it's a great track. And um, off topic. Yeah, they're comparing the scars. Oh, this was from that, that's from this. And then we get the um, infamous Indianapolis uh, monologue from Quint, which Robert Shaw actually wrote himself in the script. No one credit for it. He wrote that whole bit himself and it's just so well known. You can see the humanity behind the character, like what turned him into this sort of, you know, blue collar, salt of the earth, scruffy, hardworking um, character. And you end up feeling, you end up feeling for Quinn, like, wow, he's been through all this and this is the way he is. Like, I get it, I get it. It's the same with all these characters. Like you, you end up being invested in who they are and what they've done. And so the shark attacks the boat. And it's like, oh great, man. 
taking on water. I ended up pumping the third barrel into him. And it's like, well, why don't we start leading the shark in the shore? So they start doing that, and the shark's chasing him. Quint pushes the motor too hard, and it just, it caps out. It's dead in the water, literally. The boat's just dead in the water. And so they're like, well, what can you do with all this stuff you've got here, Hooper? And he's got some sort of um, poison that could kill the shark, you know, if you can get it with this spear and think, okay, well, we'll give it a shot. So they put the shark cage and everything together and this is, we get the cage attack scene, which combines great use of not only the mechanical shark that they used for the movie, but also Ron and Valerie Taylor. They are very well-known shark photographers from South Australia. They provided like the real life shark footage. So anytime in Jaws you see an actual, actual footage of a real shark swimming, that is, that is, you know, Taylor footage, Ron and Valerie Taylor footage, and they they um, they combined that so well in the movie that it's just seamless. And of course, the shark attacks the cage. Everyone thinks they bring it up. Hooper's gone. They think, oh no, you know, the shark's got him. And the shark comes up, attacks the boat, and Quint just struggles so hard to try to not get into the shark's mouth. He's like, no fighting as he's sliding down towards it. But Chomp, a, very, a valiant effort by Quint, grabbing machete and just stabbing at this thing. Like, let me go, let me go. And just, unfortunately, no, for Quint, he's gone. The boat continues to sink. Roy Scheider's just... Panic is like, what do I do? Here comes the shark again. Uh, Martin Brody, Shider's character, Martin Brody, grabs the tank of compressed air, which kind of becomes a bit of a MacGuffin in a bit of in a way. Like, pounces the shark's nose with it and ends up losing it in his mouth. And we get the final stand. Man versus beast. Brody's ascending up the mask. Mast. Mast. Here comes the shark. He's got this long pot, this spear on a pole. Just stab, stab, stab. Loses that. Climbs to where he can get a vantage point. Grabs his rifle and it's like, okay, come on, show me the tank. Show me the tank. We've got the music, the adrenaline, the tension. It's building, 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 building. Misses five shots and then the infamous, you know, smile, you son of a... And they must have, like, filled their quota on how many times someone could say the word bitch or whatever, because you don't... Unless you listen very, very closely, you don't actually hear Roy Scheider actually utter the word bitch because uh, it's... Uh, it's underneath the gunshot so the smile you son of a bang and if you listen close enough just after the bang you can hear itch you can hear smile you son of a itch or is it just ch? i think it's just the ch. 
episode, but look it up on YouTube anyway. And it confuses a lot of people, like, is it this, is it that? It's like, does he, it's like, he does, does he actually say, smile, you son of a bitch, or is it smile, you son of a, and then the, the gun firing is, you know, the bitch. But uh, you listen close enough, you actually can hear him say it, but yeah, they just, they've put it so, like, the gunshot is over the top of it, so they must have filled their quota of how many times you can say these words to sort of keep your uh, PG rating in 1975. Now it doesn't really matter too much. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but... Uh, the shark explodes. It's like this look of joy and jubilation. It's like, yes, I've done it. You know, the creature's been defeated, and up pops Hooper, and, you know, they just swim towards the shore. And... That is it for the Jaws. Again, one of the greatest movies of all time. This is an incredible masterpiece. Um, it pretty much re it revitalized the um, the monster movie, the creature feature, because then we had a whole bunch of Jaws ripoffs that came out like this. You know, White Death, and, you know, we had Piranha, we had Orca the Killer Whale, we had Alligator, we had all these um, creature features, and even, like, Blood Beach, and, you know, Sand Sharks, and whatever else. Just sort of came after that, so they're pretty much all basically just Jaws uh, rip-offs. And, you know, we had the sequels, and, oh boy... Oh boy. <laughs> I'm uh Yeah. I'm gonna have some fun with those, aren't I? Yes. Like Jaws 2 is a is a passable sequel. Like it's it's not great because when you've got the way that Jaws ended up being Oh man, there's some big expectations to live up to. It tried, but unfortunately didn't. You'll hear my views up in the next video anyway, because I'm going to run through the series. And they just go downhill. Literally. They just go downhill. So there you have it. My thoughts on the classic that is Jaws. Now... As I said, this is one of my favourite uh, movies of all time. It is just so... so yeah, this is where my tongue stops working. It is just so well written and they've got the best cast, the best director. Everything about it is absolutely incredible. Yes, there were issues with the shark, so they had to improvise with the, um, with the, uh, with the barrels, but that just resulted in more absolutely fantastic uh, storytelling in my mind anyway. Um, I am going to be reviewing the sequels and oh boy. Uh, Jaws 2 is passable but I'll give my thoughts on that next time around. Jaws 3 is okay and Jaws of Revenge is a steaming stinking pile of caca but again we will get to those in the coming pods really until then thank you so much for joining me in the vault i will see you all next time
This has been a presentation of JLH Productions.